How many, uh, how many of you here have uh, satellite radio? Maybe by a show of hands. Not too many, actually. Um, I got it. I have it in my car. Um, I've kind of had it on and off for, I don't know, maybe about a dozen years. The, I remember uh, maybe, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I, I got a car, and it was... Um, they had it. Satellite was already installed in it. And it was like, you know, they give it to you for a year, a year for free, and then the hope is you're going to stick with it and continue to then pay pay for it. And that's exactly what happened. So I had it for a couple of years, and then I, I think the next car I got, it didn't come with it. So I just didn't get it. Didn't have it for three years, maybe, and then got another car. And Anyway, the car I got now, it came with it. Um, so I have it. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's, uh, uh, there are 150 channels on satellite radio. Um, I listen to, I think, six of them. It's ridiculous how, you know, m- most of it I really could care less about. Um, but I remember when it first came out, what sold me probably more than anything was they got a, uh, a, a, a channel entirely dedicated to Bruce Springsteen, um, 24-7 Bruce, which is cra- crazy in, in a way. It's like just, it's just nonstop Bruce music, um, concerts, interviews, everything Springsteen. And, um, well, I mean, I love, I love Springsteen, so uh, it was right up my alley. Um, and I know that's subjective. You know, you love this person, I love that person, this music, that band, this whatever. I mean, it really is a matter of opinion, right? Um, but I do think this about, about Springsteen, um, that is kind of, kind of an objective thing, and it's this. It's, um, I respect the fact that he, he continues to kind of produce. He continues to kind of, uh, he's not, he has absolutely not become a, uh, like a nostalgia act where he just plays his old stuff. He does the old stuff, but he's always putting out new albums. He's 71 years old. Um, and beyond, you know, 45 years of uh, making re- albums, uh, you know, he did a Broadway play two or three years ago, sold out for like an entire year, incredibly successful. A year or two before that, he wrote a book, he wrote a, uh, his memoir, and they said he very much wrote it, wasn't a ghostwriter, got great reviews. I mean, I read it, but I'm also biased. But, uh, so he just continues to do things. Um, and I just respect that, whether you like his music or not. I just think that's a great thing. He hasn't, he hasn't thrown in the towel. Um, I also like what he says. Um, I think he's... He, there's a depth to him. Like, he's, he's more than just a rock and roll guy. He really is. And again, I'm not saying you gotta like his music, but he's more than just a rock and roll guy. He, um, anyways, well, here's an example, I think. Like, he, his most recent album came out just a couple of months ago, and he's got a song on it called uh, Last Man Standing. And it's about uh, the death of a friend of his. Uh, this guy was in his first band um, like when they were kids in the mid-60s. First band, he, I think he was, Bruce was like 15. And uh, this guy was in, in the band, and he died. Uh, in fact, they've all died. Bruce is now the last surviving member of that high school band. So he writes, I guess, about that, but it's more about loss and life and death. And I mean, listen to this. This, isn't, this is just part of an interview I read recently. 
I wrote a song called Death Isn't, Is Not the End a couple of years ago, and I never finished it. But I like the idea because I guess I don't believe that death is the end. I carry so many people, so many ancestors with me on a daily basis. I experienced my father, and he died you know, years ago. I experienced my father regularly. I experienced Clarence, who was a, a member of the, the E Street Band. I experienced my old assistant, Terry McGovern. They visit me in my dreams quite often. I may see them several times a year in my dreams. So this idea is you don't lose everything when someone dies. You do lose their physical presence, but their physical presence isn't all of them. And it never was all of them, even when they were alive. Spirit is very strong. Emotion is very strong. So is their energy. And a lot of this, particularly those people who are very powerful in your life, it really carries over after death. See what I mean? Like, I just think he's got something to say. Um, you know, when I was 15, I loved his music the way a 15-year-old would. 40 years later, like I still do, uh, not as a 15-year-old, but I still love it. Um, but I hate his politics. I, I can't stand his politics. Um, it doesn't even matter what they are. That's not even the point. Um, he gets political, though. In interviews, he'll often have something to say, sometimes at concerts, some songs that he's written. And I go nuts when I hear it. Sort of like, would you just... Just sing the song. Um, and I know I'm not alone. I know I'm, I know I'm not the only one. I know people who, who stop going, won't, won't go to see him in concert anymore because of things he said. Um, I think there's a whole like, segment of his fan base who feels this way. Middle class people. The people that are inspired by what he writes so often about cops and firemen, sons and daughters of cops and firemen, civil servants, blue-collar people, everyday people. Like, we love his music, but we just, we hate his politics. So you know what I think happens then among us? We get very conflicted. The Bruce Nuts out there who love his music but loathe his politics, we're not really sure what to do. You know, if you're at a concert and he starts, you know, you get up and you go to the bathroom. You're like, I don't want to hear this. You just get annoyed by it. Um, but I think I know the problem. It's what we do with him. Like, I think we probably make more of him than he is. And again, like, I love, he's my favorite. And I do think he's more than just a, an artist. I think he does have something to say. But he's not God. <laughs> like, I can't make more of him than he is. Because when we do that, I think we set ourselves up for a disappointment. There's a great quote from uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Show me a hero and I'll write you a tragedy. Show me a hero and I'll write you a tragedy. I mean, did he mean by that 
You know what? When you take heroes and you raise them too high up, you put them too high up on that pedestal, you're just gonna, you're gonna be disappointed because they're gonna disappoint. They're gonna fail. And if you thought they were more like God than a person, you're not gonna know what to do. Well, they're not God. And I guess the point is like, man, we shouldn't make that mistake of making a person more than they are. And listen, I'm not saying, man, for God's sake, I'm not saying don't have heroes. We need heroes, we need examples. I'm not saying don't pursue models, and heroic examples. Don't be, I'm saying don't be inspired by the heroic. I mean, that's why we have saints. That's why we have a communion of saints. We don't, what are saints really? They're heroes. They're people who did it right. They lived the Christian life the way we're supposed to. And that's why we just sort of, we name them. We call them a saint. But you know what a saint isn't? A saint isn't perfect. I think we think often that they are. Like, oh man, she's, she's such a saint. And we will almost think like whoever she is, is perfect. No, she's not. She may be amazing, but she's not perfect. Neither is Bruce. But if I, in some part of my brain and in my heart, I take somebody and I make them more than they are, when they're not, when they don't live up to it, then I get all rattled by it. I don't know what to do with it. You know, this gospel I just read, it's a great example of somebody who didn't make that mistake. He didn't make somebody who wasn't God, God. And it's Andrew. He was one of the apostles. But in the gospel this morning, it's before, it's before he's an apostle. It's before he's even met Jesus. He's a disciple of John, John the Baptist. He found out about John and became part of one of his people. He couldn't believe what John was saying and was doing, how amazing it was. So he's like, I'm following this guy. John had to have been a hero to Andrew. Like, I think it would have been like this. If, if John the Baptist lived today, and say he was in concert today, Andrew would have like slept out the night before to get tickets. He would have been like that, that much on his team, that much of a hero. But then listen to this gospel. Or remember what happens in this gospel. Andrew is with the hero, he's with John, and then John goes, hey, the one I've been talking about, this Messiah that I've been saying is coming, there he is. That's where he is. Behold, the Lamb of God. That's the one. It's not about me, it's about him. And here's the key. What does Andrew do? Andrew doesn't go, no, 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 I'm, I hitched my wagon to you. It's all about you, John. No, Andrew, it says he got up and he went. John said, there he is, go follow him because he's God, I'm not. And Andrew does. Andrew knew that John wasn't God. He knew he wasn't the Messiah. He knew he was amazing. He knew he was an example, he was a hero but he wasn't God. And when you gotta decide between a hero and God, well that should be, should be a no-brainer. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. 
Sometimes we follow the wrong star. Have you ever followed the wrong star? I mean, we all have to some degree. Something or someone just became way too important, way too much of a priority. And because of that, other things that were equally important got screwed up, got neglected, got ignored because I became blinded by this star. And it may not have been a wrong star or a bad star, but it wasn't, it wasn't the North Star. It wasn't the most, it wasn't the brightest. It wasn't the most important. And when we make other things, other people bigger than they should be, it never ends well. <laughs> and maybe more important than that, we fail to see God. Well, we just put God further back. And that is always a mistake. I mean, think of, talk to somebody who, talk to somebody who made their star their job, like their career. Like that really was what made them tick. They were most passionate about killing it at work. And eventually they had a family and they had kids. And now the kids are grown and gone. And they're retired. And they're a lot more reflective than they were when they were 40. And he or she looks back on it now and says, you know what, I, I was too, too consumed by that. And I paid a price. I wasn't as present to the people who I should have been there for as I was. I should have been more there. But I was somewhere else, often physically, almost always emotionally. I was some, work had my focus. And my three, four, one, my kids, whatever, however many I had, they were second place. And they felt it, and I know it, and I look at friends of mine who did the opposite who stepped away from career possibilities because they knew at this point, man, this, was, this needs to be my priority. And they've got a relationship with their adult kids now that I haven't got with mine. It's not a disaster, it's not terrible, but it could be better, should have been better. It's because I followed the wrong star. Sometimes it's people, I think often it's people we just make somebody more than they, than they really are. And I'm not saying we, we shouldn't love and we shouldn't be committed. Of course we should. I think we do it with celebrity. Celebrities, we make them like, they're kind of like God. I got a friend of mine, I remember she told me she was, it was like 20, 25 years ago, she was out in skiing in Colorado, in uh, Aspen. And she went into this... Uh, it was a restaurant bar, like in a, in a hotel. And she's there with her husband, and they're, they're talking. And in the corner of the bar, John Denver was sitting alone, having lunch. John Denver, the singer, songwriter. Well, the first thing I asked her was, did you go over to him? And she was like, no, nah, I wanted to. I mean, who doesn't love John Denver? His songs are incredible. I mean, they're a little sentimental, but they're awesome. So many of them are like prayers. She said, no, I didn't go over to him. Man, if I was there, they would have been calling security. I'm telling you, because I would have gone over. 
I would have been like, man, I love your music. Thank you so much. How do you, how do you write these songs? How do you inspire so many people? Where does it come from? Thank you. What if um, John Denver was at this corner of the bar and Jesus was at this corner of the bar? And I had the opportunity. I could only go to one. I mean, it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Like, how could you not go to Jesus? But I don't know. Like, can't you always go to Jesus? You know, kids are sort of like, well, I can always, I can always get to him. I can, I can say my prayers tomorrow. I'll go to Mass next week. I'll do the right thing eventually. He'll forgive me always. So I kind of put him on hold, and I go over to John Denver. How long is he going to be at the bar? Will I ever have this opportunity again? And it doesn't have to be John. It's whatever the star is. Whatever the star is that sort of draws us and pulls us more than it should. Can you think of a, a false star? Some attitude I used to have that just, man, I was just wrong, but I was so consumed by it. Some like twisted principle or value that I just made, it was like I twisted it to make messed up okay, and it wasn't okay, it was messed up. But I was blinded by something. Well, you know what? When we look away from Jesus and the truth of God, we find other stars. We all do it. That's why I go crazy, why I go nuts when I'm hearing Springsteen talk about political stuff that makes me, my head want to explode. It's because I'm, I mean, part of it is I disagree with him. But the other thing is, like, I'm making him more than he is. He's amazing, but he's just, he writes songs. That's what he does. That's his job. It's actually no more important than anybody else's job. I mean, think about that. An entire radio station <laughs> devoted to one person. That is kind of ridiculous in a way. Like, nobody's that good. Right? Actually, somebody is that good. It's not Bruce. It's not John Denver. It's not me. It's not you. It's not even John the Baptist. John was standing with two of his disciples. As he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He's that good.